Thanks for joining us on the Authentic Church Podcast. Let's jump right into this week's message. And so we see this theme throughout the Old Testament and the New Testament that God says, I will never leave you nor forsake you. We see this as God spoke through the prophet uh, Moses to the people of Israel over the battles that they would face. In Deuteronomy chapter 31, verse 6, be strong and of good courage. Do not fear. Do not be afraid of them. Do not be afraid of your problems. Do not be afraid of your situation. Do not be afraid of feeling stuck in the moment because maybe you're praying for something to happen in your life and doors are starting to open. But you don't understand why it's opening the way it's opening. You know what I mean? Like I thought it was gonna be this door, but God, you're opening that door. And so we have to trust God, but don't be afraid of the things that come your way, of the enemies that wanna persecute you because you're following the Lord for the Lord your God. He is the one who goes with you. You're never alone. He will not leave you nor forsake you. And this theme, this truth, this gospel right here is throughout the entire Bible. But we see, G we see Jesus speak the same promise to his disciples, and he's speaking it to us today. In Matthew chapter 28, verse 20, he said, be sure of this, I am with you always to the end of the age. And so it's important for us to understand today, listen, even with God's presence in your life, that does not mean the absence of problems from your life. God's presence in your life being powerful does not mean the absence of problems in your life. And we see this throughout scripture as well. This is a common theme that we see. Jesus has told us, listen, you will follow me and you will be persecuted because you follow me. There's going to be trials in your life. People are going to make fun of you. They're going to say things against you. They're going to want the old you, but there's a new you. The old you is dead. And so there's a change in your life. But we see this theme. James chapter 1, verse 2 and 3 states, Dear brothers and sisters, when troubles of any kind come your way, because they will come, right? Consider it an opportunity for great joy. For then you will know that when your faith is tested, your endurance has a chance to what? To grow. Your faith will grow through the trials that you face today. So the Bible says, let it grow. Look to somebody next to you and tell them, you better let it grow. Let that faith grow. That trial, that situation, whatever it is that you're dealing with, is not bigger than the God that we serve. You better remind them. Let them know they are a child of God and God has spoken a promise. But let's be honest. How many of you are tired of the testing? You can raise your hand, it's fine. Or we can be real today, how about that? How many of y'all are tired of the testing? And maybe you're saying, God, I just don't understand what I'm dealing with right now. Maybe you're saying, Pastor, I don't know if I can keep going on with what I'm facing at this very moment. Maybe you're facing a marriage that seems like it's falling apart. Maybe you're working all the time, trying to do the best you can to provide for the family, yet you're still broke and you're still worried about the bills you gotta pay. Maybe you're looking for love and you're trying to find love because everybody else around you is getting a healthy relationship, but all you find is loneliness. And so you're depressed and you feel anxiety and you feel stress in this moment and you just don't understand. Maybe you're looking at your family situation and you're angry. My family's falling apart, God. Yet I'm seeing my friends with wonderful families and this is all I've ever wanted and I'm praying to you, Father, but where are you right now in my situation? Where is your glory in the trial that I'm facing right now? If this is how you feel, I wanna to prove to you today that God's presence is still with us today. 
that his living spirit lives inside of you, that you will never be forsaken or forgotten or alone. He will continue to hold your hand through every trial that you face. And even though you may feel lonely in this world, you are not lonely in the eyes of God, for he is with you. And he has a purpose for your life. There's a reason you're going through the things that you're going through right now, because listen, my Jesus can turn over the tables that you never thought could be flipped over in your life. That's what we've been studying over the last few weeks, that Jesus has come to flip over tables, remember? He also brought a whip to one of the parties, and he took out the religious corrupt leaders that were supposed to be in charge of the temple to protect the temple, but instead they were greedy. So Jesus comes in and says, get out of this house. All the distractions, get out of this house. All the barriers, get out of this house, because you want to make Jesus mad? You want to make Jesus flip tables? When the spirit of religion holds people back from the presence of God, Jesus will always flip tables to bring you near to him. And every barrier that stands in the way, Jesus will flip that over and do something incredible in your life. This is the promise hope that we see throughout the entire Bible. So the title of today's message is this. I want to talk about the glory of God. The glory of God. And this will also conclude our series of flipping tables. And over the last few weeks, we've talked about overcoming the darkness Today, we're going to talk about the light. We're going to talk about God's glorious light. But before I dive into the text, because I have a lot to teach you guys today, I'm going to ask you this question. How many of you have ever heard of the phrase Shekinah glory? You can raise your hand if you want to. Shekinah glory. Okay. The word Shekinah is not found in the Bible, but it is a Jewish concept from the Hebrew word shakan, which means to dwell or reside. And when you hear the phrase Shekinah glory, this is where it gets really interesting. It's actually talking about a supernatural light that would appear. A supernatural light that would appear above the Ark of the Covenant that the uh, Israelites would see in the wilderness as they're traveling and following God. This supernatural light would appear and it represented the holy presence of God. That God would show up in their situation to give them clear direction to help them in whatever battle that they were facing in that moment. So when you hear the phrase, Shekinah glory, this is the presence of God showing up. But it's a lot deeper than that. So we're going to dive into the text. So knowing that, let's dive in. Point number one, God's glory gives direction and protection. God's glory gives direction and protection. In the Exodus account, God led his people through the wilderness by a physical light that they could see. And this will be a review for some of you. But I want you to listen to the revelations out of this. Exodus chapter 13, verse 20 and 21. It states, the Israelites left Sakoth and camped at Etham on the edge of the wilderness. The Lord went ahead of them. Don't miss that. God's guiding them. The Lord went ahead of them. Don't get ahead of the Lord in your life right now in the path that God is taking you. Listen, he wants to guide you in whatever it is that you are facing right now. And because he got ahead of them, he guided them during the day with a pillar of cloud. But guess what? He also provided light at night with a pillar of fire. And this allowed them to travel by day or by night. But if they did not see the holy presence of God, guess what? They rested. They didn't move. They did not move until God told them to move because they trusted the path that God had for them. It was the only way they could survive. In your situation right now, in your problem that you're facing, listen, you want to get ahead of God, that will always result in death. But you let God lead, you will always see a miracle and a blessing in something you never thought could be a blessing in the end. 
But let me ask you this question, and here's where it becomes a review. Why did they need this direction in the first place? Because honestly, what they would have done, they would have taken the shortest route to the promised land. And remember, we've been over this before, because the shortest route to the promised land would have only taken them a few hours. I mean, put that in perspective of the whole story of the Israelites wandering around in the wilderness. They obeyed God a little bit, then they no longer trusted God when they got to the promise. So they wandered around the wilderness for 40 years until another generation believed. The promised land was just a few hours away. That's it. But God didn't take them the short wait or the short way to the promise. And for many of us, this is where we struggle too because we always want the fastest route to the promise, right? God, I want the relationship right now. I want the house right now. I want the position right now. I want all these situations in my life to change right now. But God may take you a longer way to show you things that you would not see if you went the shorter route. What did God know that the Israelites did not? Exodus chapter 13, verse 17 and 18. God did not lead them along the main road that runs through the Philistine territory. Even though it was the shortest route to the promised land, God said, if the people are faced with a battle, they might change their minds and return to Egypt. And I've said this before, but I believe it's very powerful. They may change their minds and run back to the bondage God freed them out of, which is what a lot of us do. We don't like our situation. We run back to the relationship we shouldn't be in. It was bondage. We run back to the addiction we shouldn't be in. It was bondage. We run back to that anger because we don't understand what God is doing. It was bondage. Yet Jesus has freed you from that bondage. You got to keep following him and trusting in what he has for you. But so God did not lead them the shortest route to the promised land because they may change their minds and return back to that bondage in Egypt. So God led them in a roundabout way through the wilderness toward the Red Sea. What does this mean? What does this tell us? It means that we're not ready sometimes for the physical battle ahead, right? But we still have to trust that God's way, even though it may be a longer route, is still better for us because he has things that he wants to teach you. And do you trust that he's trying to protect you? Protect you from your heart becoming broken by other people or following the wrong crowd or making the wrong decision? Sometimes the miracle comes in the longer path because here's a new revelation. Why did God lead them to the Red Sea though? God said they're not ready for the battle, yet he leads them to the Red Sea where Pharaoh and the men of Egypt are coming after them. Why would God do something like that? Here's a new revelation. Because God was teaching them something. Before they were to fight a physical battle, they had to pass a spiritual test of faith. Some of y'all are like, I want the battle. <laughs> I'm ready. I can fight, Lord. Like, I'm ready. I'll say whatever it is you want me to say right now. And God's saying, listen, your faith has to mature first. Through the trial. I got a test for you. I'm going to test your faith. Don't worry. You're going to be working out every single day with your faith. It's going to get abs, okay? You're going to get stronger in your faith. That way, when you see the physical battle ahead, you will not be scared to run away. That's what the Lord was doing with them. Because we see when they get to the Red Sea, was it on them to get across the Red Sea? Was it on them to attack the Egyptians? No. The only thing that happened, and here's what's amazing. I love this story. It's because Moses told the Israelites, shh. What do we do? We stand and we watch the Lord work. We watch God do what we cannot do by our own strength. 
Exodus chapter 14, verse 13, Moses told the people, do not be afraid. Just stand still and watch the Lord rescue you today. God is always speaking to his people. And last week, we talked about how our bodies are a temple of the living spirit, the Holy Spirit living inside of us, which means, guess what? God wants to speak to you. Isn't that really cool? That God will actually speak to you, that he will give you direction in your life, that he will protect you, that he will give you answers for the things that you're praying for. Why? How do we know this? Because Jesus promised us this gift. Jesus said, it's better that I go to be at the right hand of the Father because when I go, the Holy Spirit will come upon you, all believers in me, and the Spirit of God will speak to you in truth and set you free. Listen to this, John chapter 16, verse 13. When the Spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into all truth. Meaning the hardest questions that you have right now, God has the answers. He knows the truth. And where you need to go, what you need to do. He will not speak on his own because he hears from the Father to speak to you. He will tell you what he has heard. But listen to the last verse. He will tell you about the future. That's pretty cool. You're saying, Pastor, that God will speak to me about the future, yeah? You ever had a dream before about something that happened the very next week? And you're like, that's weird. God spoke to you a revelation? You ever been in the word of God and you read this scripture and you just feel something on the inside? God's speaking to you saying, guess what? You need to know this verse. You need to write it down because next week you're going to be attacked and you need to go back to this verse. This verse will remind you of the promise that I have for your life so that you can continue fighting and believing and have faith. God knows the future and we can hear his answers, which also means he knows the best path for your life. And here's what's so good about direction from the Lord. Listen, when you have a clear direction from God, you no longer run away from the hard trials. That's what we do a lot of times. When we don't understand, we feel confused in the moment. We just go through life doing our own thing, not listening to God. As soon as hard trials come into our life, what do we do? Well, I guess that's the end. I guess I should just give up. I'm a failure, just like I always am. But when God speaks a promise and you write it down and you see that trial come your way, guess what? You recognize it as an attack from the enemy to hold you back. He can't hold you back. God won't give him permission to do so. So God is leading you into the promise with clear direction and protection for your life. I remember a while back when we lived in Charlotte, I was mowing in my backyard and all of a sudden I heard a word from the Lord. Like I knew it was from God. I knew it was how to start the church plant of Authentic Church. And so I stopped mowing. I run inside. I look at my wife. I said, hey, listen, I know how to start the church. God told me to start preaching on Facebook Live. She said, okay. (laughs) And she was probably hoping that I would continue mowing the yard, which I did, okay? So, but she was very supportive. She said, okay, let's let's pray together, ask God. And, And we did. And I got really excited because that upcoming Sunday, I got all my stuff together. It's kind of funny now is that I only had this stand and it was a very janky stand. And so it was like half broken and it would lean sideways a lot. And this is supposed to hold my phone. So I duct taped it, right? And I put it outside. I'm like, Lord, you will provide everything that I need. Okay, this is going to be great. I'm going to preach the house down. Great things are going to happen. And I start preaching on Facebook Live and only a handful of people start watching. Just a handful of people. And as soon as I started to get into the word of God, 
my neighbor decided it was a great time to start mowing his yard. And so this loud noise is coming from the neighbor and I got a handful of people watching. And then I look at the glass door and I'm pretty sure one of my sons had his face like all up against the glass watching daddy. Like, what you doing, dad? I'm hungry. Like, it's not the time. And I remember after it was all said and done, I felt defeated. You know, I heard from God about this church. I saw revelations about this church. I saw this church. Other people have seen this church. And so he told me to do something that required accountability because now I'm on Facebook Live. People are seeing this, right? And I just felt like everything just failed in the moment. And I felt useless. And I, I remember being afraid because this was my future. But looking back at it, I'm so glad God took me the longer route because there were so many lessons that I needed to learn, so many people that I needed to meet, so many doors that needed to be opened to get us to where we are today and still get us to where God is taking us. Because I still believe in the bigger picture and what God has for us, and it's coming, and it's supernatural, and God is already opening up doors right now. And one day, I truly believe that the world will know about the story that is happening here in Hickory, North Carolina, because we believe in God's word. And we're preaching his word. But listen, God may take you the longer route, the route you don't want to take to prepare you spiritually before you see the physical miracle before you. Never stop believing. We did not stop believing. And I just found out the other week, this is really cool, that right now on YouTube, we are the second largest church in North Carolina. Second largest church in North Carolina on YouTube, people tuning in from all over the world to watch the sermons that are being preached out of this house. You better prepare because it's coming. <laughs> we're going to go into that new place together. We're going to see the glory of God. We just got to get our hearts right. Your hearts can be right. It's amazing to me that people already travel from all over. They come to this place and they feel the glory of God. It's not the building that impresses them but it's the love of God and the love of God that they see through you as you greet them, as you pray over them, as you meet them. And so I am incredibly grateful for you and I'm glad we get to be on this journey together. But I was thinking, man, it all started Facebook Live in the backyard. God's glory will always give you direction and protection. Point number two is this. So God's glory is holy. This is really cool. God's glory is holy. I want to show you a picture of the Jewish tabernacle. Now, this is what they would uh, put together and tear down when they were wandering in the wilderness. The temple was built after the tabernacle, okay? And in the Holy of Holies, that's where they would place the Ark of the Covenant. And so let's show a picture of the Ark of the Covenant now. The Ark of the Covenant uh, was a gold-plated wooden chest, and the lid was made from solid gold. And in the Ark of the Covenant were the Ten Commandments. Now, at one time, there were other things in the Ark of the Covenant. We don't know what happened to them. We don't know why they disappeared. It used to be Aaron's staff was in the Ark of the Covenant, and there was manna from heaven that was in the Ark of the Covenant because it all represented the history of Israel, okay? And so they would think about these stories, and it would remind them about the supernatural power of God that God led them out of slavery, that God led them out of bondage, that God was doing something supernatural every single day. But this is what's really cool. As they brought the Ark of the Covenant into the Holy of Holies, the, uh, God's glory, okay, his Shekinah glory at times would light up the Ark in the Holy of Holies. So much that people would see it from the outside of the tabernacle. Why? Because God's throne in heaven 
sits between two angelic beings called a cherub. Now, you see on the Ark of the Covenant, you see the angelic beings on top? Those are the cherubim, okay? Those are uh, the cherubim, and we see this at a scripture. Go ahead and show a picture of a cherubim. It is not a baby with wings, like many of us have believed because of culture. I guess Satan started that lie. I don't know where that one came from, okay? But this is a cherubim that stands before the throne of God, God's holy throne, and the kingdom of heaven is between this cherubim. And we see this at Psalm chapter 80, verse 1. Oh, God, enthroned above the cherubim, display your radiant glory. Isaiah chapter 37, verse 16, O Lord of heaven's armies, God of Israel, you are enthroned between the mighty cherubim. So God's glory at times on the Ark of the Covenant would glow, would light up, and they would know the presence of God is here in our situation. And there were many times that they would run to God in this way on answers over the battles that they would face when the enemies were too large, too strong, too big, too mighty. They came into the presence of God. They received a word of truth and they knew what to do. They won every battle when they listened to the Lord. But of course we know the Israelites did not always listen to the Lord. And there were many times that they did their own thing as well. And so they were defeated whenever Their hearts became far from God. See, we can worship God, but our hearts can be far from him, and he knows the difference. So many of us want to experience the Holy of Holies, but how can we when our hearts are far from God? And we're worshiping other idols of this world. And guess what? Idols can look different to different people. Some of us say, well, I don't have an idol in my life. Maybe it's a relationship. An idol can even be your marriage. It can even be your children at times. Because what we do, we put these people that we love on a pedestal that they were never meant to be on. And they don't want to be on this pedestal. Why? Because they're not perfect. And there will be times where they fail you. So we all need a savior to be able to run to, someone who is perfect, the Christ, the Messiah. This is Jesus. Only Jesus can be who you worship. But I, want you, I just want you to see, I want to put this in perspective. Because, listen, don't you want to go in there? Holy of holies, wouldn't that be awesome? If you did it the wrong way, you would die. And for some of us, we're like, Pastor, what do you, what do you mean? That's God's presence. In the Old Testament, here's what we see. And even in the New Testament, it doesn't change. But there must be respect for holiness. There must be a fear of the Lord because he is so powerful. He is so holy. I want to put it in perspective just how big God is. Isaiah chapter 40, verse 22 states, God sits above the circle of the earth and the people below look like grasshoppers to him. He spreads out the heavens like a curtain and he makes his tent from them. The God who created all things, that is how large, how powerful, how holy he is. Yet he's able to look at your personal situation that you're dealing with. That nobody else knows. And see directly into your heart. That's how holy he is. That's how powerful and mighty he is. And so in the Old Testament, you can't just walk into the Holy of Holies. Why? Because Jesus has not died yet for our sins There were requirements for them to go through. Sacrifices and burnt offerings had to be made for the forgiveness of sins. Sacred clothes must be worn. You must be clean. You must bathe. I'm sorry. Okay. You also have to be a Levite priest because if you weren't, you would die. 
And there's a rumor, and I'm not saying this is true because I don't know if this is true, but it's interesting. Uh, There's a rumor that they would even tie a rope on the priest's leg in case they did something wrong in the Holy of Holies and they died. Okay, it's true. We're going we're gonna to take Miss Lisa's word for it, all right? And they would pull out the priest from the Holy of Holies if they died, if they did something wrong, because nobody can go in there. Isn't that insane? It's, it's crazy, but this is the holiness of God. Leviticus chapter 16, verse 2. The Lord said to Moses, warn your brother Aaron not to enter the most holy place behind the inner curtain. And the curtain separated us from the Holy of Holies. You would go behind the curtain into the Holy of Holies. And he says, don't do this whenever you choose. Because if he does, he will die. For the ark's cover, the place of atonement is there. And I myself am present in the cloud. Oh, we missed this. Underline the cloud. There's something supernatural in the presence of God when it comes to a cloud. And we see this even in the throne of heaven. For God would show up in a cloud upon Mount Sinai when he met with Moses. The cloud would show up in the Holy of Holies when it was lit up. In fact, we know this in the kingdom of heaven. The dark clouds surround the presence of God, the throne of God. Psalm chapter 97, verse 2, dark clouds surround him. Righteousness and justice are his foundation, the foundation of his throne. Whenever you see prophets in the Old Testament or even the New Testament visions, when they were before the throne of God, what did they do? Were they just excited? Like, yeah, awesome, God, you're here. They would fall down to their knees in fear because that's how mighty and powerful God is. Yet always by the love of God, he would redeem them, restore them, and speak life into their situation. It's amazing, but that's how holy he is. But again, why would people die? Because the holiness of God is sacred and powerful. Let me say it like this. There is a reason demons flee from the presence of an almighty God. There's a reason that darkness has to leave in our situation. There's a reason that when we come into the presence of God, we are freed from the addictions that have held us bound for way too long. And it also gives us a new perspective on John chapter one, verse five, that states the light shines in the darkness and the darkness has not overcome it. You are called to be the light today. Your bodies are a temple of the living spirit of God inside of you. His light is inside of you. And so many of us, we complain today, well, God, I don't want to go to work because you know who's there. It's Joe. And he always talks about me and I don't like Joe. Joe, if you're in the room, I love you, brother. (laughs) Not talking about you, but we get aggravated over the people that we see. It's like, it's too much darkness there. Well, then be the light. God has called you to be the light, and the darkness cannot overcome the light. So every time you walk in, be prepared for war. Every time, be prepared for battle, for there's already victory in the name of Jesus. The moment you walk into the situation, you want to walk into your school, I get it, the school can be very dark in times, but you could still be a light of God's love and his truth and set something free. I truly believe the next generation that's rising up will be a generation of revival that cares about the presence of God. The true love of God. They will desire God's presence like never before. People will see these miracles happen because we are meant to be a light in the darkness. There was a reason when you come into the presence of God, like I said, addictions are broken. Sickness is healed. Bondage has no more hold on you. Why? Because God is that holy. He's that powerful. He's that mighty. And the good news is this today because of Jesus. 
Uh, let me say it like this. Last week, we talked about cleansing the temple. Jesus upset the Pharisees about cleansing the temple, right? Why? What did he say? He said, he said, destroy the temple, and I'll raise it up in three days. And the scripture tells us that he was talking about his body, which means Jesus is the temple. Jesus is the cornerstone, the foundation of our faith, everything that we have is based upon Jesus. And so he also became the ultimate sacrifice of our sins, which means that now, today, we can enter into the presence of the Father. We can hear his voice when we're going through something. We can hear his whisper. We can see his miracles, but we can know him in an intimate way because God desires an intimate relationship with you. And for the longest time, I took advantage of that. For the longest time, I did not care. It's crazy. Jesus did all this for us to be able to enter into the holiness of God. But many of us are so consumed and distracted with this world, we don't even desire it. And we wonder why we're hurt or we're bound by the ways of this world because we're chasing the ways of the world. But when you chase God, something starts to change because that's why I told you there was a curtain that separated them from the Holy of Holies. Guess what happened when Jesus died on the cross? Matthew chapter 27, verse 51, at that moment, the curtain in the sanctuary of the temple was torn in two. From top to bottom, the earth shook and the rocks split apart. A great earthquake took place and the veil was ripped apart so that now we can enter into the presence of God. We can come together in this house, proclaim his holy name, and there's power every time we praise him. And demons have to run and flee Everything changes because of what Jesus did. He tore that veil. But now let's answer the hard question. Point number three is this. Can God's glory leave? Can God's glory leave in your life? And I believe we ask this question because of trials, because of heartbreak, because of what we're facing and we don't understand. God I love you, but I, I don't understand why I'm so sad right now, why everything is falling apart. Did your glory lead me? Did I do something wrong? I want to show you something. If you have your Bibles, turn to Exodus chapter 34. Exodus chapter 34. And in this chapter, Moses is meeting with God on top of Mount Sinai for the second time. And the reason he's meeting with God for the second time to collect the Ten Commandments is because the first time he was on top of Mount Sinai, the Israelites got a little bored got a little carried away, got ahead of themselves, and they said things like this. Well, Moses has gone way too long. We don't know what happened to him. Clearly, he's on top of Mount Sinai. There's the cloud, okay? But they didn't understand because they didn't have a relationship with God. So what did they do? Well, we saw things from the Egyptians. Even though God took down every Egyptian false god that they worshiped, Yet in that moment, they wanted to get ahead of God. They wanted something tangible in the moment. And so they created something physical because they did not understand spiritually what was happening. They had to see it. And so they started to create an idol, a golden calf that they worshiped. And yet Aaron allowed it to happen. The man that was supposed to be in charge while Moses was gone, he allowed it to happen. And so we see Moses coming down from Mount Sinai. And as soon as he saw all this, he broke the Ten Commandments. Oops, <laughs> but it's understandable. We look at stories like that and we're like, how could they do such a thing? But again, we do those things too. 
We rush into things that God told us to stay away from. We create idols in our life to pursue, and maybe it's success. Guess what? That could be an idol as well. It's success, and so you're just chasing these dreams, but you're no longer chasing God, and you're wondering why you're frustrated or it doesn't satisfy. Where was Moses? Moses was in the cloud. He was in the presence of God. Exodus chapter 34, verse five. Then the Lord descended in the cloud and stood there with Moses and he proclaimed the name of the Lord. And then when he was finished speaking with the Lord and he had the 10 commandments, the new one, Moses came down from the mountain, but he did not know, listen, that the reflection of God's glory was still on his face. What does that mean? Is he just happy? No, he was literally glowing. Okay, his face was glowing according to the scripture. Exodus chapter 34, verse 29 and 30. When Moses came down from Mount Sinai, carrying the two stone tablets inscribed with the terms of the covenant, he wasn't aware that his face had become radiant because he had spoken to the Lord. So when Aaron and the people of Israel saw the radiance of Moses' face, they were happy. They were afraid. And Moses, uh, I don't know if you know this, but your face is glowing, okay? And I don't know if this is normal, but it happened every time he met with God. And so I started to think about this, and it brought up two points in my head. First thing is that some people are going to be afraid about what God's doing in your life. You're going to see a change of your heart. You don't speak the way you used to speak. You don't do the things that you used to do. They may say things like this, you're not fun anymore. I don't want to hang out with you anymore because you're not who you used to be. No, I'm somebody better. The old me is dead. I'm alive in Christ. I have hope now. And one day they're going to see that in your life. And guess what? You will be the open door for them to enter into the kingdom of heaven the moment they ask you about Jesus. Keep being that example. Even though they don't understand in the moment, okay? Some people will be afraid of the change that's happening in your life. But the second thing is this. Listen. The second thing for Moses is that being in the presence of God actually changes your face. First of all, let me, let me tell you this. The Hebrew word for the word uh, radiant means shot forth beams, okay? So his face was truly glowing. Like it was shooting beams out. But what do I mean when you're in the presence of God and your face starts to change? Uh, let me make this illustration. Have you ever met somebody that's going through depression and you can see it all over their face? Somebody that had a really rough weekend and they had a broken heart over a relationship that ended, they come in, are they smiling? Well, try to smile. Maybe they might cry over that smile. You know, and you can sense it the moment they come into the room. And there's some people that even have such demonic oppression in their life. They've opened up so many doors that when they come into the room, the atmosphere starts to change and you feel the same heaviness. You can feel that darkness from their life. But guess what? The light overcomes the darkness. So when you're in the presence of God, your face starts to change. What does that mean? It means that people see peace on your face in the middle of chaos. Like you're standing there looking like this, just happy, all good. And people next to you are like, you know everything's burning to the ground right now, right? (laughs) Everything is falling apart. There's nothing good about your situation. What are you so happy about? My Lord spoke to me today. I was in his presence and I was scared just like you. I was afraid just like you, but he held me in his arms and he told me it's going to be okay through the season I'm dealing with right now. I've seen blessings before. I'll see blessings again, but through every trial, I'll praise his name just like I did in the season of blessings. 
Keep trusting him. And so your face starts to change. You may have a look of joy when everything is going wrong, a look of peace. Why, though? Listen to this. Because when you meet with the Lord, there is no depression in the holiness of God. When you meet with the Lord, there is no addiction in the presence of God. All these things are gone because God is that holy when you're in his presence. You could have the weight of the world on your shoulders, but the moment you start worshiping God, and I mean truly worshiping God, it's like all those problems fade away, don't they? Why? Because you know God. And he moved it all away so that you could hear him. That's what's so amazing. When you, when you come into the presence of God, the reason you have that peace is so he removes all these things that weigh you down, these distractions. You haven't been able to hear his voice all week, but he's been speaking. You've just been distracted. And so what he does is he moves this when you truly come to him with your heart, whatever it is that you're dealing with, whether it's bitterness or anger, or things that you're struggling with, God, they hurt me. But listen, I can heal you. I can heal you and do something this world cannot do. But if you know the story too, you know that Moses, when he came down, eventually he had to put a veil over his face because of the glow. Let me say it like this. You want to glow up? Go be with God. You'll start to look different, okay? <laughs> True glow up. All right, Exodus chapter 34, verse 33 and 34. When Moses finished speaking with them, he covered his face with a veil. But whenever he went into the tent of meeting to speak to the Lord, he would remove the veil until he came out again. Then he would give the people whatever instructions he heard from the Lord, and he would give it to them. So every time he met with the Lord, his face would light up. And so when he came to the people, he would have to put the veil over his face. And so for the longest time, I thought he did it because the people were afraid of his face. <laughs> because of the glow. It's kind of like you're getting your teeth whitened, but it's a little bit too much. And you become a human nightlight. Like, don't worry, kids. Daddy's going to be in the corner. His teeth will scare away the monsters. He's going to be fine. You know what I mean? Like, you're just glowing. And everybody's like, whoa, whoa, too much? For the longest time, I thought that's what the scripture was telling us. I thought that was the reason that Moses put a veil over his face because the people were afraid of the light. But that's not the case. Here's a revelation. He did not cover his face because people were scared. He covered his face because he was scared that they would see the glory was fading away. That's why he covered his face. How do we know this revelation? We know it from Paul. For Paul spoke this in 2 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 13. We are not like Moses who would put a veil over his face. He covers his face so that people of Israel would not see it. The glory was disappearing and Moses did not want them to see it in. That's why he put a veil over his face. Or let me say it like this. Moses put a veil over his face to make people believe it was still shining. And man, when I wrote that down, how relatable is that in our own lives? We cover up what we're really going through, what we're dealing with, maybe it's a sickness. We don't want anybody to know. We don't want anybody to go over and beyond for us and do these things for us. And so sometimes we feel like, well, I just don't want to bug them. So we put a veil over our life. I'm not dealing with anything. Or maybe right now, like I said, maybe your marriage is struggling and you pretend to be happy and you put that veil over your face every single day, but you're not even communicating with your spouse. 
And so there's a barrier in between you and right now in your house, it is completely divided. But when you come out of your house, you pretend that everything is okay. You're not seeking the Lord. You're not seeking guidance or counseling from anybody else. You're just putting the veil of your hearts. Maybe right now you're scared to death over your future. Like you have some big decisions to make and you just don't know what to choose or what to do. And so you put a veil just to cover up so nobody sees that you were completely stressed out because you're supposed to be a person of God. So you need to be that strong leader all the time. On the inside, you feel like a scared little kid trying to figure things out. And we put a veil over our hearts, over our eyes. And sometimes, to be honest with you, it could even feel like we are fading away from God because we don't understand the trials. As I was writing this, I was also reminded towards the end of my time of doing evangelism in Louisiana, and I've shared that that's how authentic was birth. Um, it was an evangelistic outreach in Louisiana. did it for about two years and even stepped away from my position at a church, stepped away from my paycheck, I have shared with you many times supernaturally how God provided for my family financially, what he was doing, the healings that we saw, the miracles that we saw, the demons that were cast out, preaching the gospel in the middle of the city. Uh, We were bringing people to Christ next to strip clubs and all these bars and all these crazy things. God was doing amazing things. I saw all these blessings in the beginning, but then it all just kind of felt like it was fading away. It kind of felt like I was just going through the motions now. At the end of the process, I didn't see these blessings anymore. We were struggling financially at this point, and I just didn't know what to do. And so I remember praying to God, like, God, what do you want me to do? Did I mess up? Like, did I do something that you don't like? Did I do something that was wrong? And because of that, now I'm not going to receive the promise of the blessing that you spoke over me. And one of our friends came up to us and invited my wife and I to this prophetic night to a preacher I'd never heard of, but... I wanted to be there that night, and she did too, and so we went, and we just worshiped God, and I just asked God, please just just speak to me. God, I I need you right now in this season, this trial, and the pastor came up to me, and again, he didn't know me. He didn't know I was in ministry or anything, but he spoke over me, and he said, listen, God's glory is going to visit you in a dream, something special. His light, his love is going to visit you in a dream. It's going to be very intense, and I said, okay, bring it on. I need it. Like, I need a word, like today, all right? Short route, short route to the path, like, God, I need it today. And so that night, I went to sleep, and nothing. Next night, went to sleep, nothing. Next night, went to sleep, nothing. But I kid you not, a little bit later, I had this dream that I will never forget, because I've never had a dream like it since. And in this dream, I was in this building, and I saw this family, and I wanted to witness to them. I've never had a dream like that, ever. And I wanted to witness to them. And I remember taking this man and we were leaning up against a wall or right next to a wall. And I started to tell him about Jesus. And I said, hey, can I pray over you? He said, sure. So in the dream, I start praying over him. And as I'm praying over him in the dream, this light comes down from heaven. And it got intense. And I remember, it's kind of funny now because when I think about it, I remember the light becoming so intense. All I could say was, wow, wow, wow. And I'm trying to pray over this guy, but at the same time, I'm like leaning now on the wall in my dream. And it's just like intensifying, intensifying, intensifying. And the Lord's presence was so heavy. And the best way I could describe it, it was like pure joy. But there was a heaviness to the joy, if that makes any sense. It's like the joy of God was actually taking my body down. 
I could not stand in the presence or in the light. And so I'm trying to pray over this guy and we're both just saying, wow, wow, wow. And it intensified. And then all of a sudden, when I thought it was its brightest, it got even brighter and I woke up. I will never forget that dream. Recently, the Lord reminded me though of 2 Chronicles chapter five about the glory of the Lord. 2 Chronicles chapter five, verse 13 to 14 says they praise the Lord saying, for he is good, for his mercy and loving kindness endure forever. Remember, Psalms tells us that we enter into the gates of heaven through praise and thanksgiving. When you praise the Lord, his glory is shown in our lives. And so they're praising God in the temple. This is Solomon's temple, by the way. And they just brought the Ark of the Covenant in for the very first time into the Holy of Holies. Listen, the house of the Lord was filled with a cloud so that the priests could not remain standing. It just hit me. And this was recently that this hit me. They could not remain standing to minister because of the cloud for the glory and the brilliance of the Lord filled the house of God. God showed up and ruined all their plans. Huh? <laughs> their plans for the service. Here's what we're going to do. We're going to give a devotional at this time. No, God said, I'm going to show up right now. You're praising me. I'm going to do something supernatural. You're going to see my presence in this room. Everything that you plan, go ahead and throw it out the window. I am here, God was saying. And I realized in my life at that time, God brought Shekinah glory to me through a dream, an intense joy in the middle of a very painful, scary time. Because I decided to praise God through a storm. And so did my wife. And this is what the Lord will do for you. And I didn't know at the time, but God was actually ending our evangelistic ministry because I was about to get a phone call for a position back at the church I used to work at. And that's where God was leading me back to. I didn't know it though at the time. I thought everything was fading away and falling apart. But let's answer the hard question. Does a trial mean that God's glory has left you? No. God would never leave you. Now we can do our own thing and we can walk away from the promise and from the protection because we want things the way we want them right now, right? But when you listen to the Lord, listen, God will never leave you. Paul made this very clear. The old covenant had a glory, but that glory was fading away. So the father sent his son to bring us a glory that will never fade again. Second Corinthians chapter three, verse 11. So if the old way, which was, has been replaced, was glorious, how much more glorious is the new way, which remains forever, it will never fade Verse 16 through 18, but whenever someone turns to the Lord, the veil is taken away. Whenever somebody turns to the Lord, your insecurities, your depression, the things that control you and hold you down are taken away for the Lord is the spirit. And where the spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. So all of us who have had that veil removed can now see spiritual eyes and reflect the glory of the Lord, the light of God's love. And the Lord, who is the Spirit, makes us more and more like him. We are changed into his glorious image. We are no longer who we used to be. We can't go back. Don't want to go back. Because I know the light of God's love. And since it's Mother's Day, here's a powerful note. That the first time we see Shekinah glory in the New Testament, guess who it's over? Mary. Mary. When she is giving birth to the Son of God, Jesus Christ, she was embraced in glory, and though she was scared, in that moment, she was a strong woman of faith who never stopped believing. 
Luke chapter 1, verse 35. Then the angel replied to her, the Holy Spirit will come upon you and the power of the Most High will overshadow you like a cloud. For that reason, the holy, pure, sinless child shall be called the Son of God. And there are many stories throughout the Bible of mothers of faith who never stopped believing. And so I want to encourage every mother in this room, keep believing, keep praying for your children, keep praying over your marriage, keep praying over your family, keep being a woman of God, seeing that promise come. Because God is using you to change others even when it's hard. And I believe in those moments, even when you cry out, guess what? When you praise his holy name, Shekinah glory will come upon you and the enemy cannot stop you. You will become an unstoppable force because of the light of God's love. That's what happens when we worship him in his glory. And this leads me to my last point. This is one I want to get rowdy on because it's good. But the last point is this. Son of man is coming in glory. Jesus is coming back in this Shekinah glory. There's a prophecy that was spoken out of the book of Daniel about Jesus. Daniel chapter 7, verse 13. I saw someone like the Son of Man coming with the clouds of heaven. Have you noticed that Jesus called himself the Son of Man many times? He didn't really just say Son of God. He said Son of Man over and over again. Why? Because of this prophecy. I saw someone like the Son of Man coming with the clouds of heaven. Verse 14. He was given authority, honor, sovereignty over all the nations of the world so the people of every race and nation and language would obey him. His rule is eternal. It will never end. His kingdom will never be destroyed. And the last table that Jesus flipped, right? He, he made the Pharisees mad a lot. We've been over that over the last few weeks. He cast out demons that upset them. He brought healings, especially on the Sabbath. That upset them, right? He said, cleanse the temple, destroy the temple. That really upset them. But they were never able to lead him to the cross. They had to be able to call blasphemy. So I see this in the book of Mark where Jesus finally makes this one statement that allows them to take him to the cross. It's when he says, listen, I am the one. I am the son of man coming from the clouds. I am the one that Daniel spoke about. The prophecy is coming true. Mark chapter 14, verse 62, Jesus said, I am. And you will see the son of man seated in the place of power at God's right hand and coming on the clouds of heaven. It was at that moment they became so angry, they beat him and they said, blasphemy. And that's the reason they took him to the cross. That's what they needed right there. Jesus waited for that moment. That's why Jesus told many that he healed. Shh, don't tell them who I am yet. He took the longer route, but the perfect route to say it at the right time that would lead him to the cross so that we can now enter into the Holy of Holies in the presence of God. Not only did Jesus rise from the dead in glory, he's coming back with glory. Revelation 19, 11 through 13, then I saw heaven opened and a white horse was standing there. Its rider was named Faithful and True, for he judges fairly and wages a righteous war. His eyes are like flames of fire, and on his head were many crowns. A name was written on him that no one understood except himself. He wore a robe dipped in blood, and his title was the Word of God. I'm going to have you stand right here. reason Jesus flipped tables the battle over and over again that Jesus was facing listen was about who do you worship 
You understand that? Like, that's why Jesus was so mad. That's why he flipped the tables, because the Gentiles and the people that were traveling were not able to come to the temple to worship God. And when we look in the scriptures, the very first battle that we see, the spiritual battle that took place in the kingdom of heaven was over what? Was over worship. Because Satan wanted to be worshiped, so God threw him down like lightning falling to this floor. So Satan will try to do whatever he can to stop your worship of God. He will try to do whatever he can to get you to worship this world, to get you to worship yourself, to get you to worship your job, to get you to worship these idols, even to get you to worship him. For it's the same temptation he gave Jesus in the wilderness. But Jesus rebuked him by the word of God. It's all about who do you worship. So Jesus came and flipped all the tables so now we can be in the holy of holies in the presence of God and worship God's holy name to be set free. And what I love about this is in the end, Jesus flips everything. Sin will be flipped and no more. Pain and sorrow will be flipped. This cursed world will be flipped. We will have a new heaven and a new earth dwelling in the glory of God, the Shekinah glory forever. Revelation 21 verse 23 says, the sun and the moon will become jealous of his light. For it says in the city will not need a sun. We will not even need a moon anymore. For the glory of God illuminates the city and the lamb is the light. I'm gonna read this real quick. Revelation chapter 21, four and five. He will wipe away every tear from their eyes and there will be no longer death. There will no longer be sorrow or anguish or crying or pain for the former older things have now passed away. And he who sits on the throne said, behold, I am making all things new. Glory of God. So here's what I wanna do. I told y'all, I wanna get a little rowdy right now. And so I'm gonna ask the worship team to go ahead and bring fire on this stage. And I'm gonna ask you with your seats, whatever it is that you're facing right now, worship his holy name. We hope you enjoyed this week's sermon. If you've been blessed by this message, be sure to subscribe so that you don't miss future messages. And if you feel led to give to this ministry, check out the link in the description and see the other ways you can get connected.